0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning to you. This is Sportbox. Let's get into the headlines. Big sell down in technology stocks wipes $1 trillion off the market cap of the six largest tech companies as the Nasdaq sinks into correction territory after declining another 4%. Tesla loses a fifth of its value in a single session, falling over 20% in its worst ever trading day after the electric car giant is left out of the S&P 500.
1: Asian equities sink, dragged down by SoftBank amid concern over the Japanese investment firm's tech bets.
2: Uh, Crude prices plunge overnight, hitting lows not seen since back in June. Uh, This amid renewed demand concerns due to rising infection rates across Europe and indeed the United States. Plus, we've got British drug giant AstraZeneca halting global trials of its potential COVID vaccine to allow for a safety review after an unexplained illness during one of its tests.
0: So, very good morning to you. What a busy day for the markets yesterday. Let's talk a a little bit about some of the action here. If we can uh, pop up some of the boards for you, and then we'll talk to exactly what happened. So, there was broad selling across the market. We actually sat here yesterday, Karen, myself, and Steve, and we looked at what looked like a positive start for the trading session predicted in the futures. But by the time we got to the start of the market trade, it was Obvious that um, investors weren't looking at the opportunity in that way, and we gradually saw uh, the selling through the day here with the Nasdaq down uh, 4.1 percent. That is its third straight uh, daily loss for the first time since August the 3rd. It's uh, third its three-day losing streak. So the uh, NASDAQ then is now, as the technicians would say, below its 50-day moving average for the first time since April 21st. And that is, for the technicians, an important momentum indicator. But bear in mind the NASDAQ is still up over 20% year-to-date. So um, you've still had some profit if you've managed to time yourself into this market and pick the low and buy and and sell out at the top here
1: well, the extent of the losses have been so great, given how far the stock prices had risen. I mean, remember the $2 trillion market valuation for Apple. When you start to see an extent of a sell off like this huge percentage losses, it means you rack up a fairly significant total. So $1 trillion in value is what we've now shed over three days. And this is the tallies you break it down by stock. Apple, $318 billion, $219 billion on Microsoft, Amazon, more than 190 odd, 135 on Alphabet. More than 100 off, uh, off that Tesla share price and 89 down for Facebook. So, eye-wateringly uh, high levels and we talk about that the market sell-off we've seen. But Tesla, Steve, was one that many market participants were worried about. In fact, I saw it described as one of the most dangerous stocks on Wall Street the other day.
2: Yeah, and, and you said the key word there. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, Jeff. You called it a stock. Uh, but it's also a company as well, and there is a big difference between Tesla the company and Tesla the stock. Now I know we all know this, but it seems that there are a few of our viewers who still don't get it, despite our widespread scepticism. So let's go through the motions. Tesla is a very, very good company, which is setting, trailing a, a blazing a trail, so to speak. It, it is doing amazing things in technology and indeed in the automotive space as well, which the others are are rushing to catch up with. Tesla the stock is the Wild West, okay. One is a great company, stock is the Wild West. Let's remind our viewers what the Wild West looks like. $86 at the start of the year, $447 at its peak, i.e. up about six times plus since the start of the year. Now down to $330. Was worth $420 billion, now worth $308 billion. Yesterday, it lost $82 billion, which is the FT points out in the copy I was looking at, is roughly equivalent to the value of Caterpillar or JP Morgan. Now look, the catalyst for this apparently could be, look at SoftBank, well, that's another ridiculous story. Or, or we could say it didn't get its S&P um, inclusion slot as well. And that, again, was another catalyst. But the fact of the matter is Elon Musk will not look a jot at it. He might have a, a, a prick of dent to his pride, but I doubt it somehow. But the fact of the matter is uh, this is still a good company as it was three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. But the valuation has become one big Fat momentum trade. And do you know what, uh, Karen and Jeff, there is almost no point in us talking about the fang stocks to our viewers, because our viewers either share our view, in which case they think they are a longer term investment potentially, or they share the view of a growing echelon of traders who just want to treat them as a big, fat, momentum trade. It is not about valuation. It is not about fundamentals in any of these stocks. The more we say, it, perhaps one or two of you out there might realise it. But the fact is, many of these stocks have become momentum issues. They are nothing to do with fundamentals. Elon Musk knows it. He tweeted earlier in the year that the valuations were ridiculous anyway. And that was a a significant way below where we're currently trading still. Jeff Karen.
0: Yeah, well, let me take that on, Steve, because I think something has moved on a little bit here, because I think within the last 48 hours or so the markets thought they knew something that it's turned out they didn't know there was a mismatch around information and let me use the word integrity and I use that word advisedly because I think what we're having here is a bit of a wild coyote moment for the markets as people suddenly find out that what they thought was the future now doesn't look like the future and let me just reference a few of the stories that we're going to cover off here AstraZeneca This is an issue that's thrown the cat among the pigeons. They've paused their trial here, and that's raising questions about whether we are going to get a a vaccine quickly. If you look at the um, Tesla story that you were talking about, Steve, the market assumed inclusion in the S&P. That has not happened. That was a surprise. SoftBank, okay. SoftBank may have made $4 billion from gaming the market in effect by going in and buying call options to force uh, the brokers and the underlying writers of those call options to cover and increase their gamma to hedge against those call options. But ultimately, SoftBank has lost $15 billion in value as a result of its gambit to try and turn itself into a hedge fund here. So I think there are questions being asked by the market in lots of different areas where there were expectations about the future and how it was going to unfold. And suddenly it feels as though the rug has been pulled away somewhat on a a lot of those stories. And again, you know, the China data, we're going to talk some more about the China PPI and CPI data here. Again, it's underwhelming, and it just suggests that the much-talked-about Chinese-led recovery from the COVID crisis is not as rock-solid as many as hope many had hoped it would be. So, uh, you know, back to that word integrity. I feel that the integrity that people held close about the way the market was going to behave and about the expectations on a lot of these stories is now being challenged. And inevitably, when that happens, people become cautious and they do the right thing. They step back from risk.
1: I want to hone in on SoftBank because I think that was the real number. of this story. We, we saw the, the selling that took place last week and almost the pause button went into the markets because we had the Labour Day long weekend the States, but it felt like that story had much further to run. You know, market participants questioning this trading strategy around technology. I mean, how much action we saw that had pushed these stocks higher. And everybody kept saying, this is the area of the market you want to be in. But the valuations were all sort of sitting back saying, this is just extraordinary. Can these, these companies actually deliver? And we've seen this huge disconnect between what these companies actually produce and their market cap. But the waiting was getting out of kilter, taking us back to dot-com. Now, I think many of us looked at the revenues and it's slightly different situation to dot com where they do produce something these days versus nothing much in the past. However, the valuations, everything has a price and those valuations were becoming way too stretched. The the other point you raise around AstraZeneca and the uh, pause to the trials around this vaccine, I think that's another layer on top because the tech story had caused a rotation to other stocks that were you know, really hard hit because of the impact to the real economy. To me, it stops some of that rotation. If there's uncertainty around a vaccine, it stops the rotation from tech to other beaten up areas of the economy. Steve? Uh,
2: just, just one thing on the vaccine. The more I've looked about it, the more I, this is quite a usual procedure when there is a, an occurrence. And bearing in mind, we've got tens of thousands of people in trial. They don't know that the reaction from this lady or gentleman was caused by the drug as well. And apparently it is more usual uh, that than we than we think, because obviously we're all learning about this. So I'm not actually that worried about this at the moment. And of course, the person is seen as pulling through. So that's good news. But let's talk about a few things you've raised. One, Jeffrey, you talk about integrity of the market. I would argue with anyone that the integrity of the market at the moment is re-insert, reasserting itself on the down days rather than the up days, because I think valuations have become so stretched that actually integrity in the market comes when we have a more sober assessment of valuations. Uh, the second point, SoftBank, Karen, you raised this as well, It is a ludicrously desperate strategy to start buying call options when you are a long term investor. That That is a fact. And again, I would gladly argue that with anyone as well, uh, because what you've done here (coughs) is basically start taking a punt on upside gains in a certain period of time. Investors, my understanding, invest for three, five, seven years, not three, six, nine months, as we have on the listed options as well. And the other thing about the option trade as well is So many uh, longer term traders have shorted calls historically to do one of two things. One, give themselves an income on stocks that haven't really been doing much or, or two, pay for their protection on the downside. Well, that has really come back to bite because a lot of people didn't have the protection on the downside, but they did have the short call option. And when they saw an increased premium that SoftBank gave them, they all got very, very excited. And the third part is basically how you trade. I'm just going to remind some of you how you trade, OK, because you have three ingredients to this or basic three ingredients. There are other things. As well. One. One, what you know about the world to be fact. Two, what you think is going to happen next in the world. And this is the educated guess, the things like the S&P thing that Jeff talked about, the AstraZeneca trial. Uh, And three, what your position is. Uh, And I fear that actually what you know in the world, i.e. item one, has been cast aside, has been booted into touch, put in the long run. You ignore that because you got your hope and expectations or hope on what you think is going to happen next. Plus, you've been guided by your position in many Robin Hood cases, i.e. you've got very excited. You've had your position. You've had a bit of initial margin increase as well. So then you've added to your position. You've added to the momentum. So you've forgotten what you actually know. Uh, and you've put that aside for what you think is going to happen. Uh, and indeed, the, the position you've got as well. And I think many of you have got that badly wrong. And I take no pleasure in it. It's Learning curve for all of us. Steve, thanks very much for that. Let's um, just point out if you go to uh, CNBC Pro, we've got a
0: whole host of uh, opinions on what happens next. Uh, among those commenting, uh, Byron Ween from uh, Blackstone with his view on the overvaluation of technology, uh, while FunStrat Tom Lee suggests there might still be some further upside here. But take a look at the CNBC uh, Pro. Um, uh, analysis uh, on what's been taking place here. Also speaking to CNBC Galaxy Digital CEO, Mike Novogratz predicting further volatility ahead.
3: We've put the highs in for the year, in both the Nasdaq and in Tesla, and now it's a sell the rally, not a buy the dip market. And so the psychology has to change and it's slow to change. People have made lots of money buying the dip. Uh, And so I think you're going to see more pain, not a straight line like we've had. Uh, Well, let's focus on the Asian
0: markets because the legacy that we're going to get from Asia looks weak at this point, Uh, although the sell-off not as strong as we saw in the United States, States, Matt.
3: Absolutely right, Jeff. In fact, we are seeing a number of these markets. If we give you a look, you can see it is red uh, right across the screen here, but a number of markets only down by around about half of 1% Uh, in Singapore, the KOSPI in South Korea. Some of these tech-heavy markets only down by about two-thirds of 1%. The ASX in Australia are the worst performer. We've got that market down more than 2%, even though consumer confidence there surged by about 18% in the most recent survey. The China market's just back from the lunch break right now. Take a look. We've got a negative picture on the Shanghai Composite. We did get inflation data out of China today. Consumer prices gaining 2.4% in August on a year ago. Producer prices declining 2%, but signs that factory deflation is slowing uh, there. So that's the picture in the China markets. Take a look, though, at some of the tech stocks around Asia, because we are seeing some green. Samsung Electronics, one I mentioned in South Korea, is moving higher by about a third of 1%. UMC, TSMC in uh, in Taiwan are not doing too badly either. SoftBank, though, Under pressure, as you've been talking about, I won't recap the story, but that one dragging on Japan a little bit. Guys, back to you in London. All right. Terrific,
0: Matt. Thanks very much indeed for that. And as Matt pointed out there, the Chinese August factory prices have fallen at the slowest annual pace since March. An indication that the world's second largest economy continues to rebound from the pandemic even as Beijing warns of looming trade tensions. Um, But the recovery does appear to be weak, Sam.
4: Hi there, Jeff. Yeah, it does. I mean, this inflation data did come in line with expectations, so no real surprises here. But if you look under the hood, it does show we still have a way to go, perhaps, in this recovery. So as far as uh, the official numbers are concerned, the factory deflation did ease for a third straight month, and that was you know, thanks to recovering commodity prices like oil, but also domestic demand holding up well amid more government support for infrastructure spending, which has been used to mitigate some of those external risks you mentioned. And that has been helping this economic activity, largely speaking, and taking the pressure off some of these Chinese manufacturers. But producer prices still did drop for a seventh month straight, albeit at a slower uh, annual rate since March, uh, adding to signs that the economic recovery you know, is on track. But actually, economists do say that a negative reading for this PPI is likely to be the new norm, at least in the short term, as global demand continues to pick up, which I think really adds to this domestic driven recovery story we are seeing in China. Um, The data also showed consumer prices eased from July as the impacts from the virus, but also some of this bad weather that China has experienced throughout the summer started to dwindle. Of course, severe flooding and torrential rain throughout June, July, and a little bit of August has uh, taken a to the supply of things like pork and vegetables and sent the prices of those things soaring and so easing food prices were the main drivers of this slowing inflation if you look at pork for instance china's favorite meat prices slow to 52.6 percent year on year in august from july's 85.7 percent and officials say that stocks are now rising after that deadly pig disease which is a sign that you know supply will likely continue and take the pressure off some of those pork prices, which, of course, is great news for uh, Chinese people as they head into this national holiday in October, also known as Golden Week. Guys, back to you. Terrific,
1: Sam.
0: Thanks very much for that. Let's take the break. We'll be back in just a moment. So we'll spend a bit more time on this AstraZeneca story. The company has suspended its vaccine trial after a British volunteer fell ill. We will talk some more about that and what it means for the pace of vaccine development. Welcome back, everybody. So let's just take a look at uh, the S&P 500 healthcare sector and how we saw that particular uh, subsector perform uh, across the session yesterday. And it was a, uh, a negative close to the trading day. But you got the sense that because the markets were very down across the board, uh, they swept everything in front of them. It is worth pointing out here that even as we saw AstraZeneca shares fall 8% in the after-hours US trade, shares in other companies like Moderna were actually up 4% and Pfizer Well, they were up about 1% here. Uh, Part of the reason, I guess, maybe, is that there is, even in spite of this issue around uh, AstraZeneca and this uh, individual getting ill, these companies are taking different approaches to the vaccine, Steve.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, AstraZeneca shares falling naturally on the back of this. It is a blow, potentially. But look, the more we read into this. Again, none of us are vaccine trial experts, with the exception of Juliana, who studied this as an analyst in her previous uh, incarnation. Uh, the fact of the matter is, it looks like this is what happens. If someone in a trial has an adverse reaction, you stop. Of course you do. It's, it's the, the right safety procedure to do so. And then you have an independent review uh, onto what is going wrong, whether it is a part of the um, immunity uh, reaction from the body due to the drug or B, it's down to the patient's own medical history as well. And they will forensically look at this as well. Um, But again, let's be honest about it. The the, the pharmaceutical companies did tell us only a short while ago, although I noticed there was a statement in the opposite direction in the last 24 hours, they did tell us a while ago that due to the the speed of these trials and the the breadth of these trials and the vast number of people uh, that are going to be inoculated or hopefully get the vaccine if and when they are approved by the regulatory authorities, there could be things that are unforeseen, given the fact that they are getting these to the market very quickly as well. So uh, it is a blow for the market if none of these vaccines work. But if, if they work with only a tiny limited number of people getting some form of adverse reaction, again, do we all need to make the calculation and take the risk as well? One thing I will say is I spoke to Mauro Ferrari, and we're going to get the tape on this a little bit later on. He um, is the CEO of, of a very big uh, nanotech company, but he was also the head for a while of the European Research Council, which was partly responsible for looking at COVID nineteen uh, reactions and, and and how we respond to this in Europe as well. Mauro Ferrari told me on Saturday it was something which I was quite surprising: is there will be no one vaccine that works for everyone? And I guess when I thought about it, this made a lot of sense. He said there will be a combination of vaccines treatments and preventions. And this is how we will go forward on it as well. And that's how we've gone forward, isn't it, on on HIV. We do not have a cure, but we do have stunning retrovirals and lifestyle changes that means that, thankfully, HIV and AIDS is not the devastating threat that we all feared it would be uh, for society 20, 30 years ago. So there will be no one vaccine. And I think we all need to get that in our head. There is no catch-all vaccine out there.
1: I want to pick up on the timing because when we talk about this AstraZeneca vaccine was meant to come to the market here in the UK in the first few months of next year. And you start to think about market assumptions. They see the vaccine as probably one of the most important issues for pricing stocks and trying to work out where the economy is going to go. Because you get a vaccine and and then sure you get a little bit of a lessening of some of the social distancing rules. But if there is no vaccine, are we back in this strict wave of. You get an outbreak, you've got to uh, cut the amount of interactions that people have. You've got to keep strict social distancing in place. Do we not get out of the the current environment we're in? I mean, Steve just mentioned too, there's some of the concerns about using the vaccine. And clearly, if there are side effects, then fewer people want to be inoculated. We saw early on with this particular trial that there were high fevers reported. Mm -hmm. And for the majority of the population, maybe adults who are fit and healthy, you're not so concerned about that. But when you think about high fevers, uh, giving the injection to children, fills you with the sense of horror. Anything else that comes up in this trial also may cause some fear out there in the population, which then stops the take-up of the vaccine and then, of course, has the ramification where you can't bank on the fact that the vaccine's going to work against coronavirus and you can't roll back on social distancing. So it is this vicious cycle, and I think it has political ramifications too. We think about it being fast-tracked to come into the cycle before the US presidential election. That was something President Trump was talking about a couple of weeks ago. So I think the timing is very much an issue for the economy, but also for politics
0: so um, I mean three three key things and I think you and Steve have, 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 have pointed them out very clearly um, questions on the infe- effectiveness at this point then uh, questions on the safety and questions on the timing which means that we are back really to where we were in an earlier phase of this story where the market was playing ro row risk on risk off around those binary trades like airports hotels theme parks all the stocks or companies that would have benefited from faster progress towards a vaccine but I take on board Steve's point that we're coming at this from two ends steroid treatments and some of the other treatments are preventing people from going on to uh, life support breath uh, uh, breath uh, breathalyzers, um, um you know ventilators um, so Ultimately, you've got less people who are experiencing this as a death sentence. It ultimately is going to subdue the symptoms. So that is a positive. But it, it just means that we continue this row road, road for the markets through the rest of this year here, whilst we have no clarity on the vaccine.
1: When it comes to the politics, though, I think it gets incredibly challenging, too, when you think about where some countries are at, and namely Russia, supposedly coming up with two vaccines. And, you know, that's still an in and trial process, of course. But if they do get to the point where they think that they can roll it out across a vast amount of people yeah. and they're prepared to do that versus in the West where this number one leading candidate is not receiving regulatory approval. Mm. You could see a disconnect between a number of countries and no doubt it won't just be Russia. If they're using the vaccine, it will be rolled out elsewhere in the world which would put more pressure on Western politicians. Yeah. So you've got to think that might become an issue as we progress through this story.
0: Well, and that's the problem because if we talked with Kirill Dmitriev on many occasions from the RDIF and they've been a key sponsor of the work that's being done on this. And I think he acknowledged that the route that they've taken is largely the Oxford University AstraZeneca type approach where you're talking about add-ons or adjuvants. So this is a, an evolution of the existing uh, vaccine products. It's very different from what Moderna is doing mm-hmm. and what Pfizer is doing as they pursue this genetic approach. But
1: Messenger, Rene.
0: the problem is that we're not actually getting any information about the trial stage from the Russian vaccine, so we don't actually know if they have situations similar to what's happening with AstraZeneca at this point we just don't know and again that is the problem for the markets I think.
1: Should we mention that the amount of money down the drain if this one doesn't work because don't forget they've gone into the business of manufacturing the vaccine in the hopes that the trials will actually be okay and you think 30 million doses already contracted with AstraZeneca here in the UK, a billion dollars thrown it from the Americans so some of these vaccines no doubt that have been produced will have to be thrown away if there is a problem but of course we come back to the point this is one patient so far and we have to wait and see whether this was down to their own medical history or whether it was a, a response uh, as a direct result of that vaccine.
0: Thank you for listening
2: to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.